But we learn something here that when a Christian strays from God, what they once rejected, they may now embrace. So we're talking tonight about Saul, Samuel, and the witch of Endor. So we're going to get into this. So let's begin at verse 7. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. Interesting story, don't you think? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, please help us to learn tonight from your word. This is a most unusual incident, a happening, a little bit of history, a story that happened. And help us to uh, learn it and to draw some conclusions actually for our lives. So increase our faith, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, a lot of people wonder, did Samuel actually rise from the dead or was this some kind of some kind of trick that went on. Now some people think that if Samuel actually came back, then it gives them justification to mess around with spirits. They say, see, it's in the Bible. You see? Uh, and Saul was there. He was the king. And so they try to look at this for justification of spiritism. Now the Bible means exactly what it says. There's no question about that. Did Samuel come back? Yes, Samuel actually came back. Messing around with evil spirits is bad. It's not to be done. It's not something that we're to look into. Now, was it this witch that brought Samuel back? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think that God knew what was happening. He knew in advance what Saul was going to do and where he was going to go and who this woman was. And so, I kind of think that God sort of played along with it. But Samuel came back by permission of God to deliver a message. Now, are you familiar with, sort of with the map of Israel in your mind? At the top, we've got the Sea of Galilee, and then we've got the Jordan River that runs down. It joins up with the Dead Sea, just above the Dead Sea, and to the uh, west, toward the Mediterranean, is uh, the city of Jerusalem. Endor is a little bit north and west 
So it's kind of in between the Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem. A little bit more on the west side. Kind of, I guess, sort of in the interior, I suppose. And that's where Endor was. And this woman might have been one of the last of her kind, as we shall see. Now, it says here, she had a familiar spirit. And the Bible talks about this. Uh, someone with a familiar spirit. What is a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit was a demonic spirit that was so close to a particular human that it was said to be familiar. Very familiar with him or her. They were familiar with each other. It was just an expression. Basically, this person was either demon-possessed or pretty close. Pretty close to it. Now, an evil spirit, a, a, a familiar spirit, has the power to imitate human form and voice. And that's something we have to keep in mind. Satan himself can come as an angel of light. I was uh, communicating with someone not too long ago, and um, this person uh, told me about their child claiming to see a uh, vision of light. And so I, I spoke to them, I cautioned them to be careful about this sort of thing. Because, you know, the, the, the devil, he tries to, to capture the young mind. When I myself was a, a very young boy, now listen, both, both sets of my grandparents died before I was born. I never met them. But yet, when I was a small boy, I remember uh, seeing at the foot of my bed a white form. Was I half asleep? Probably. But I remember seeing a white form and sort of calling out. Um, my mother came in the room and I thought I was looking at my grandmother. I'd never met either one of my grandmothers. They both passed away before I was born. But yet this was what was in my head. I don't believe that that was my grandmother. Um, it may have been just a phenomena in my head or it may have been something that the devil was trying to mess with me. But I'm not alone. There's a lot of people that have phenomena happen to them. Um, there's a whole culture and subculture involved with this stuff. And it goes back thousands of years. This woman that Saul went to see had an evil spirit that was so close with her that it was familiar. And these evil spirits have certain power and ability. They can do things in the spirit side of life that we don't fully understand. They live in another dimension. So, people have tried to contact the dead uh, by using familiar spirits. It's gone on for thousands of years. They also try to foresee future events using these familiar spirits. Now, if you keep your finger there, please, in Samuel... 
Go back to Leviticus chapter number 20. Leviticus chapter number 20. And I'd like you to read out loud with me verse number 27. Are you there? Leviticus 20. Read out loud 27 with me now. A man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So here we have the word of God on the matter. They were so prevalent. They were so influential. Today we talk about these YouTubers and their influencers, right? Isn't that a new term that we're learning? They influence you to buy certain products and try certain things. And of course, they get rich doing it. Well, these people back then, they were influencers, only real devilish, and they would try to influence God's people in the wrong direction. So, God laid down a, a penalty here. Now, if you go back to verse uh, chapter 28 of 1 Samuel and you can see in verse 9 Saul had been following that command of Leviticus chapter 20 it says and behold the woman said unto him behold thou knowest what Saul hath done how he hath cut off all cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And so here we see that Saul had been busy over previous years. And remember Saul's ministry, his ministry, his kingdom lasted like 40 years. He was king a long time, four decades. And in that time, there was a lot of good things he did, but there was a, a lot of bad stuff he did too. And one of the, I suppose, good things was that he was trying to rid the land of all of the people with familiar spirits. Well, he missed one. He probably missed more than one. But at this point in Saul's life, and it was basically the day before he died, his heart was so far from God that he didn't care about the Word of God, the commands of God. He could care less. All he cared about was his own skin, his own neck. He cared more for his own life than he did for his son Jonathan. We, we've seen that in uh, a previous example of Saul's leadership where he was willing to kill his own son Jonathan over a dumb oath that he made the people take. And if it wasn't for the intervention of those people, he would have killed his own son Jonathan. In fact, when he was uh, out there looking for uh, David to kill David, he got so enraged with Jonathan that he threw a javelin at his own son. Saul was a real messed up guy. Sad. And this was the last night before he died. Didn't die a very glorious death either, come to think of it. It was basically a suicide, is what it was. But we learn something here, that when a Christian strays from God, what they once rejected they may now embrace. When a Christian gets so far from God, 
things that were in his or her past, possibly alcohol or drugs, and they say, ah, wicked, vile. They stray from God. They may go back to the bars. They may go back to where they were able to buy drugs. Things that they once rejected, when they stray from God, they may go back. That's kind of sad, but it is true. And here we have an example of Saul, who at one time was very vehement. He was going to get rid of all of the uh, wizards and people with familiar spirits, and now he's after one. He wants one. He's definitely not right with God. So, of course, verse 10, Saul sweared to her by the Lord. He's bringing God now into his sin. As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. (laughs) So, verse 11 now, he asks her to bring up Samuel. Then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, bring me up Samuel. Now, her familiar spirit could have easily imitated Samuel. But as I understand it, things didn't go quite the way she had planned. Now, some people think that this lady may have been something like the modern-day huckster, con artist, or trickster. Remember uh, hearing about these seances? People would be brought into a room, and a lady would be there, maybe with a crystal ball or tarot cards, or maybe they'd hold hands. Oh, we're calling upon the, uh, the dead soul, the dead spirit of great uh, Ebenezer Smith to come forth. And no one will see them take their foot and, you know, make a noise. <gasps> Ebenezer Smith, is that you? If it is, make your presence known. Knock three times. And with their foot, you know, they'll hit the table and they'll bilk these people out of money. And some of these con artists were so good and they had accomplices work with them. They had all kinds of illusions, tricks. They made things appear. Smoke and, and uh, voices were heard and lights and sort of disembodied spirits would float through. It was all hocus pocus, smoke and mirrors. But they were experts at it. And they were bilking people. And by the way, my own opinion is that's what's happening with some of these uh, tele-evangelists like Benny Hinn. There's a lot of them. Kenneth Copeland is another one. Uh, On and on the list goes. And these guys bilk people out of millions of dollars. And it's sad, sad, sad. But God is going to get them one day. They will reap what they sow. They had false prophets back in the days of Jerusalem when God was bringing judgment. And through Jeremiah, God was preaching judgment. And they had all these false prophets saying, nothing to worry about, O king. Nothing to worry about, people. We're going to be fine. We won't be deported. God is going to whack down the enemies. Meanwhile, those people were living wicked, wicked lives. So, history repeats itself. But here, we've got Saul in front of a lady with a familiar spirit. So I don't think that she was all smoke and mirrors. I think that she was the real thing as as far as a familiar spirit goes. She was used to doing this. 
She'd had people come before her uh, more than once. Uh, People had sought her out. This was the kind of woman she was. And of course, she would have made her livelihood this way as well, under the radar, secretly. But uh, things didn't go the way she thought they would go. She had seen this sort of thing, and now it was different. That's why I think that God was playing along with it. And at the crucial time, God really got involved here. And so, the real Samuel shows up, and not her familiar spirit. And somehow, she knew it wasn't her familiar spirit. Maybe the familiar spirit told her, Hey, sweetheart, this isn't me. That's, that's the real Samuel. We don't know how she, she found out, but uh, boy, oh boy. Well, let's, let's look at verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. How'd she know that? How'd she know that? Is it possible Samuel said something? Or maybe more likely, her familiar spirit said, Hey, let's get out of here. You know, this, this, this man, this stranger, this is King Saul. And of course, she screamed everything. And so now, in verse 13, the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Samuel, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. Now, I don't think she'd ever seen this before. There are things that happen on the spiritual side of life you and I don't want to see. If we saw half of the things going on in the spirit side, we wouldn't sleep. We'd be terrified. Listen, have you ever seen any video or photograph of some horrible thing that happened to some person where part of their body was blowing off and there's blood and guts everywhere and you see that and you turn away you say, oh my, have you ever seen anything that's made you cringe or that made you turn the channel or switch it off or something? People who go through wars will see that. They're, they're on the battlefield with their buddy and a grenade goes off or something and they're stunned and they look over and they, they can see their, their friend laying there and half their body is missing. And their friend is just stunned, dying and stunned. And those pictures, they can't get them out of their head. A lot of people, listen, when they drop the bombs, the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there were, I think, five guys in the bomber, the, the uh, Enola Gabe was the name of the bomber, it was a B-29 bomber, and they went high overhead and they dropped this. Those guys, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't realize the, uh, the effect of this thing. Uh, and so they dropped the bomb. And it was only afterwards that they really started to understand, like 80,000 people were incinerated all of a sudden. And then another 100,000 or something died a very horrible, slow, agonizing death. And the thoughts of that, I I know this because one of those pilots, those co-pilots, wrote a diary, wrote a a biography or something, and wrote about that. that The thoughts never left. He couldn't get them out of his head. It's a good thing we can't see what's going on on the spirit side. It's a good thing. 
I think it was William Booth of the Salvation Army who once said, or maybe twice, he said, if Christians could be dangled over the pit of hell for five minutes, it would, you know, they wouldn't have to go to Bible college. They'd spend the rest of their life evangelizing. I, I don't know about that. I mean, it sounds good, right? If we could see the lost in hell, how that would move our hearts. I understand that. But I think it would do more than that. I think it would shock us so much that we may all be basket cases. We couldn't handle it. It's horror beyond belief. Anyhow, this woman, this witch of Endor, she saw God's ascending. She screamed. Her familiar spirit, more than likely, told her, get out of here. You're going to die. And so she was terrified. Now, you say, well, who, who or what were these gods coming up out of the earth? We're not told. It possibly, possibly, maybe there was some other dead souls that came along with, with Saul, uh, Samuel. We don't know. We don't know who these were. We can take a guess, but that's about as far as it goes. But um, why out of the earth? Why did Samuel come up out of the earth? People that are saved, don't they go to heaven? After they die, what's Samuel doing down in the bowels of the earth? What's going on here? Well, this, I believe, is where we need to understand the concept of paradise before Christ died and rose again. Now, for this, I'd like you to go to the New Testament. Put a marker there, would you, in Samuel, because we'll come back to that. Go to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, and chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Now this is a familiar story to everyone, I think. The rich man and Lazarus. There are uh, religious groups that do not believe this is a reality. They just call it a parable. They say it's just a story. They don't believe it's a reality. Whenever Jesus would use a parable, it would be called a parable, or he'd have an interpretation of it. He never called this a parable. There is no interpretation of it because it is what it is. This actually happened here. In verse 19, there really was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And of course, there's the beggar, Lazarus, in verse 20. Now, we get into the story. They both die. And you see here in verse 23, In hell, he, that's the rich man, lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off. Was Abraham in hell? No, Abraham wasn't in hell. This is a, a different compartment of the earth. The theologians use the expression, the two compartment, the two compartments. And so on the one side is hell. So he sees Abraham afar off. Abraham's not in hell suffering with him. He's afar off. So he cries out. By the way, he saw Lazarus in his bosom. 
And so he cries out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You know the story. And so, verse 26, Abraham says, and besides all this, between us and you, and the word you is singular or plural. Anyone know? Which is it? Is it singular or is it plural? If you know your King James Bible, if the pronoun begins with the letter T, thee, thy, thou, it's singular. If it begins with the letter Y, ye, you, your, yine, that's not a word, is it? I'm just kidding. But if it begins with the letter Y, it's plural. So there was more than one person in hell. There was a lot of people in hell. And Abraham said to this rich man, between us and you, all you folks, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And so you see the two compartments. On the one side you have hell, on the other side you have paradise. How do you know it's called paradise? Our Lord Jesus told the thief on the cross, Verily I say unto thee, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. In paradise. And so God made two compartments. On the one side was hell. On the other side, we can call it Abraham's bosom. We could call it paradise. It was like a pre-heaven, if you will. And so, um, if you turn now to the right, to Ephesians, you'll get the New Testament commentary on this paradise. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, um, let's see here, verse 7 talks about uh, the, the gifts that Christ gives. Verse 8, you see Ephesians 4, 8, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, that's talking about the Lord Jesus, when he ascended, he led captivity captive. So he would have cleaned out paradise. They were there and waiting there. And Jesus led them out of there. And if you look at verse 9, Now he that ascended, what is it? but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. It doesn't mean he went to hell. He went to, down into the center of the earth, wherever, into paradise. That's where he went. And he cleaned it out. And he brought them to heaven. Now, when we get to heaven, we're going to know for sure. Right now, we sort of see through a glass darkly, don't we? But that is the scriptural commentary on this uh, compartment down below in the depths of the earth where Samuel was. That's why, if you go back now to 1 Samuel chapter number 28, that's why the woman saw Samuel and some others ascending up out of the earth. Because Samuel was down in this paradise place with Abraham having a wonderful time. Now, verse 14. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up 
So he didn't have his resurrection body yet, did he? He was still in old form. And he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. So she describes the old man covered with a mantle. That's like a cloak. And Saul recognizes the description. Now look at the conversation that ensues after this. Verse 15, Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then Samuel Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, notice that, and is become thine enemy. Wouldn't that be a terrible way to live? Verse 17, And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. And so they have their conversation, and Samuel uh, delivers this message. Verse 19, Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. And so, that's exactly what happened. The very next day, the battle went sore. Saul uh, was uh, uh, hit with the arrows. And he turned to his armor bearer and he said, I'm dying, you better finish me off because if you don't, these Philistines are going to come and they're going to find me still alive. And they will do some horrible, nasty things to me. So you need to finish me off. The armor bearer wouldn't. He was too afraid. So Saul, Saul took his own sword and managed to get up and fall upon it. And so that's how he died. He died a suicide death. I believe there's five suicides in the Bible. None of them are any good. They're all filled with Despair, sorrow, fear, hurt, pain, all of the rest. Boy, oh boy. This could all have been avoided had King Saul just obeyed the voice of the Lord. That's all he had to do. And God is very patient and loving and gave Saul numerous times to repent and to get right. So here in Samuel... Saul's consultation with the witch at Endor was probably the consummation of his disobedience to God because he literally has gone to the devil at this point. Now, if you would, please turn to the right to the book of 1 Chronicles and just to show you here that I was telling you the truth. You see, 
verse 13. First Chronicles chapter 10. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. It says, So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. In Saul's life, Saul tried to achieve certain things. Most people do. In life, they try, they work toward things, they educate themselves toward things, they try and get in, in good favor with certain people in order to get ahead, in order to get this or that. And Christians are not immune. And as uh, born-again Christians, sometimes we fall into the trap that Saul fell into. We get our eyes fixed on something that we really want or we think we really want. And we'll sacrifice just about anything to get it. You know, before Saul was given the kingdom, he was a pretty good guy, really. He was tall and good-looking and he was faithful but when he was given the kingdom, it didn't take long. And it went to his head. And that's sad. Sometimes we want something so badly. And when God says, okay, and he gives it to us, that's the beginning of our downfall. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 23, gives an interesting verse. I'm going to read it for you. As, listen to this. As a bird hasteth to the snare. You know what a snare is, right? It's that trap to catch a bird. As the bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not, it is for his life. So the bird is being attracted by some kind of bait, something it thinks is good to eat. And it can't get there fast enough. And it swoops in. And that's the end of it, right? Now, an example of that is in Proverbs 28, 22. He that hasteth, just like the bird hasteth to the snare, he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. Imagine that. And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. You know, people who play the lotto, there's only one thing worse than playing the lotto, right? And what is that? Winning the lotto. Because now, boy, you have every crook, criminal, con artist, everyone who... Hey, do you remember being back in high school? And maybe you saw some kid who had a car. How popular was that kid? Especially if it was a good-looking car. They were number one on campus. Take away the car. What happens to the kid? Gone. Yesterday's news. It's sad but true. You get something of value. And you think, boy, this is great. Yeah, so does every other crook huh? in the neighborhood. Have you noticed that there's been a lot of crooked stuff happening in our neighborhood? Have you noticed that? We've had some pretty weird things. Violence. The shooting of street people. 
downtown, was it on Hastings or something? A, a woman, a street person, had her head set on fire. There's a tax going on. Uh, out in Coquitlam, no, out in uh, Chilliwack, there was a couple of, another shooting, a couple of people killed there. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, it's, it's a strange world, isn't it? Yeah, well, anyhow, there's a lesson to be learned here from the life of Saul. If God has blessed you with some things, praise the Lord and thank Him for it. But the mistake that Saul made was getting his eyes on something and getting his eyes off of the Lord. So we have to be careful of that, don't we? Yes, amen? Well, there you have it. The life of Saul, Samuel, and the witch at Endor. So if you're going to be anyone, I guess be a Samuel, not a Saul, and not a witch at Endor. Okay? Let's pray now. Thank you. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.